is Ahmed Sharif and welcome to DH Radio. As we leave behind 2020, a year engulfed by the pandemic, we need to take care of our health. To do this, one important thing is to have a relook at our diet and nutrition. In today's episode, we are joined by nutrition and wellness consultant Sheila Krishnaswam. Listen in. Hi ma'am and welcome to DH Radio. Thank you and uh, hello uh, Ahmed. It's great to have you on our show. Ma'am, my first question to you is, how should one look at diet and nutrition? Like, can you tell us its importance and what are the consequences if we don't maintain this sort of uh, diet and nutrition in our lives? Uh, Okay, that's a very interesting uh, question. Um, I would look at it um, as a bridge between food and health. I believe that nutrition bridges the gap between food and health. So, you know, a nutrition diet and nutrition in a way is connected to the food that we eat because we get nutrition from the food that we eat. And nutrition helps to build health and maintain health in our body. It acts as a bridge between the two. And I think it's the foundation uh, for uh, living because food, of course, is one of the basic requirements of a human being, or for that matter, for, for all living matter. And uh, similarly, nutrition is very, very uh, important and it, it forms a foundation for health and for our uh, well-being. So that's how I would look at it and that's how probably many others also would look at it. Uh, and to your second question of what happens if we don't uh, follow a good uh, nutritional uh, pattern is that there could be a lot of ill health or disease. While good nutrition and nutrients build health, the lack of it can either cause deficiency diseases, we have heard of iron deficiency, vitamin deficiency, and calcium deficiency, and so on and so forth. It could even cause energy deficiency if we don't have enough food in our uh, you know, daily intake. So there could be deficiency problems, there could be uh, increased infections, because the, when we don't have adequate nutrition, the immunity levels are lower, therefore we become more susceptible to infections. And lastly, it could also lead to lifestyle-related problems. And this does not happen because of eating less, but it happens because of eating too much or eating the wrong kind of foods. So it could also result in lifestyle-related diseases like the weight issues, uh, you know, uh, diabetes, um, heart disease, high blood pressure, uh, and osteoporosis. There are so many lifestyle-related diseases that we see in our country today. So it could be any of these problems that are related to lack of proper nutrition in the body. Uh, yes. Ma'am, also the thing is that now we have, we've been in like almost eight months into the pandemic. And how should one look at, uh, you know, diet and nutrition in this uh, unprecedented period? Uh, all right. Um, again, interesting question because everybody is, uh, you know, talking about the pandemic and uh, I think immunity has come to the forefront during these times. So I don't think there is, you know, there is a difference between eating during the pandemic and eating when there is no pandemic. Basically, uh, healthy eating and eating the right kind of foods in the right quantity and the right quality is to be maintained throughout one's life. So whether there is a pandemic around us or not, I think eating right is very important uh, you know, through the entire life cycle. 
So uh, even during the pandemic, or probably especially during the pandemic, it becomes even more important for us to set right our eating habits. So if in all these previous years we have, for some reason, you know, got into the wrong eating habits or wrong path of lifestyle, this is a great time to rectify the wrongs that we have been doing. And this is the time to eat better, eat more healthy, be more conscious about what we put into our mouth. And of course, also be conscious about the lifestyle that we lead. Mm -hmm. And also another thing is that apart from the pandemic, we've, this is winter now and soon like another month and there'll be summer. And uh, usually uh, what care should people take when there's this uh, transition of months where you see a few diseases spiking? Right. So um, we do see, usually we see a uh, little more of infections, uh, particularly the common cold, uh, maybe viral fever and things. Like that. I'm not talking about COVID, but, you know, general uh, common infections, hmm. the, the flu season. So we see that um, during a change in season, that's the body's way of increasing its defense mechanism against, you know, uh, whatever the, the environment might have. So that is a season, there is no special diet as such, but as we move from winter to summer, our appetite tends to reduce. Normally, I, you know, one, one might have noticed that uh, during winter months, we feel more hungry than we would during summer months. So it's important to adjust the quantity of food accordingly. So if we continue to use the quantity of food that we would eat in the winter months, even during summer, that becomes, uh, you know, a little, that might become a little excess for, for a person. So it, one needs to adjust according to one's hunger and uh, appetite. So the quantity is important. And again, um, in winter, we tend to eat uh, foods that are heavier, uh, meaning which are uh, uh, probably have contain more of fat and uh, a lot more carbohydrates and proteins and all of that. And of course, the other the other micronutrients are also present. But as we move towards summer, the foods we eat or uh, you know uh, we consume tend to become lighter. As in, we tend to eat more of uh, foods that are uh, watery that that have a lot of moisture in them. So it's more difficult to digest foods that are very high in fat uh, or uh, fried foods and things like that in summer. So therefore we would move towards uh, more watery vegetables and fruits. And I think even nature has so beautifully adjusted everything for us because we get a lot of watery fruits in summer. So these are the basic transitions that happen automatically. I think somewhere you know, deep down our body knows that um, you know what we can eat and what we what we are comfortable with so these are the kind of transition that happens but otherwise the same uh, you know a thumb rule of eating a balanced meal filled with nutrition holds good during winter that holds good during summer and holds good during transition as well uh, ma'am my next set of questions are, uh, are basically like an advice or uh, anything that you would like to address to this particular group so the first group is children like anything that uh, you have specific in mind what should they eat and shouldn't like i said before you know all these food groups uh, various food groups uh, applies to the entire life cycle so whether it's a child or an adult or an elderly person 
everyone needs those nutrients like carbohydrates, proteins, fats, vitamins, minerals, fiber, antioxidants, all of hydration, everything is important throughout the life cycle. So for children, now it's very difficult to tell children what not to eat. Uh, I'm sure everybody faces this challenge. All parents and teachers face this challenge of telling yes. the children what not to eat and also what to eat. You know, even if you tell a child you have to eat more vegetables and fruits, obviously the child is going to rebel. I mean, that's the age for them to rebel. And if you tell a child don't eat, um, uh, you know, let's say uh, maybe some fried food, maybe a burger or something else, the child is want, would want to eat that. What I would suggest is let the quantity of food be decided by the child, but the quality of food given to the child needs to be decided by the parents. Because if the parents can give good quality of food, you know, where all the basic uh, requirements are met, including all different kinds of food groups, different kinds of dishes, different kinds of cuisines, all of that, child will definitely get the current correct amount of nutrition. But the quantity has to be decided by the child. There is no point in force feeding a child. Because I think as, uh, as parents and as teachers, we tend to, uh, you know, kind of push the food down, down a child's throat, which does not work in most cases. So I think it's very important to leave it to the child because each child's appetite or intake level is different. We might say a child, uh, you know, all children require, let's say, 1500 calories or something like that, but then not necessarily. That's just a guideline, right? So there can be a, 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 a change or a difference from one child to the next. So it doesn't mean that every child should eat X amount of rice or X amount of dal or X amount X number of chapatis or X amount of vegetables. Nothing like that. The quantity has to be decided by a child. So if we can follow this basic rule, I think you know a lot of battles can be won in feeding children. Uh, beyond that, of course, it's important to involve children. You know, maybe while shopping for uh, groceries or vegetables or fruits or you know meats or whatever it is it'll be nice to involve children at, at every step of the way so they also need get to understand what is important and why it is important for their uh, health this sort of an advice i think many parents who are listening to this podcast will uh, definitely uh, put in practice and what about the elderly ma'am do you have anything for them uh, yes elderly also require uh, you know good amount of uh, nutrition and but the quantity probably will, you know, the, the quantity, especially of carbohydrates and fat will reduce as we grow older because we, you know, the, the elderly don't have the capacity to digest and assimilate as much food as they, they would have done when they were younger, young adults or children were while growing up. So uh, it's important to reduce, but then the other uh, things like protein, vitamins, minerals, all those requirements remain the same. When they reduce the quantity of food, it's better to reduce the quantity of, uh, let's say, rice if they're from south and if they're eating rice. So maybe the quantity of rice, the, uh, the quantity of rotis or millets or jowar or whatever they're eating, that quantity can reduce a little bit. But the rest of the things like fruits and vegetables and you know the protein sources and all of that should continue to remain more or less the same. So... On the one hand, they will feel full with lesser quantity of food. And on the other hand, they will also get the, the varied nutrients that is required to maintain their well-being in old age. 
But having said that, there is also there are some elders who cannot digest raw foods. You know, like when we were adults, we eat um, I mean, salads and you know uh, what else, sprouts and things like that. But uh, when we become older, in some of the elderly people, so they may not be able to digest and uh, assimilate so much. So it might lead to some kind of uh, uh, reduction in quantity. So that yeah. has to be compromised with eating probably more, yeah, more cooked vegetables or more uh, um, amount of fruits or something which is easily digestible for them and uh, which will also provide enough nutrition. And uh, lastly, if for some reason the elderly population is unable to consume or uh, absorb the kind of nutrients that they require and they run into deficiencies, that is when some amount of supplementation can help them. And that will be prescribed either by a physician or a dietitian, depending on their intake. And last of these group is uh, uh, pregnant women. What about them, ma'am? Oh, yeah. Um, that's important too. In fact, uh, pregnant women require more of uh, folic acid, iron and calcium, and definitely more amount of calories and protein. So uh, that uh, what we normally do is we take the individual's, uh, you know, uh, food intake, food history, and all of that, and uh, based on the requirement, individually we uh, advise, uh, you know, the pregnant woman to take whatever is required in excess, and whatever if she's already taking a few things in excess, then we ask her to reduce. So all those adjustments are made when we counsel a pregnant woman. But yes, they definitely require more amount of uh, a little more than what is what she would normally take. Uh, also, there is a myth which uh, you know uh, where, where people believe that pregnant women should eat for two, and that is not true. It is only a uh, you know only a slight increase in the quantity of food and and in the nutritional requirement of a pregnant woman. But that doesn't mean that she needs to eat twice the quantity of what she normally. Uh, does when what she normally did when she was not pregnant so that's an important point to keep in mind uh, ma'am also now in, at the beginning of this episode you know we, we said that as the pandemic uh, dawned upon us we uh, everybody's mind is shifted to being this, this sort of word called building your immunity now people have spoken a lot about and there's there's a huge buzz about vitamin c and there's chavan prashas and uh, immune boosting recipes what are your thoughts on that that's actually um, a very good point that you have uh, raised uh, emma thank you for that i think it's very important to keep immunity levels functioning well and for that, um, definitely nutrients are uh, required. And it's not just uh, vitamin C. Vitamin C is very, very important for immunity. Absolutely no doubt about that. And um, vitamin C is found in a number of foods. We normally relate vitamin C to uh, citrus fruits. I mean, you know, the minute you ask somebody to take vitamin C, then they say, okay, I take oranges. Uh, I take musambi. While it is true that uh, oranges and uh, musambi, uh, they are rich in vitamin C, there are several others. Indian gooseberry, for example, uh, what, what is commonly known as amla, uh, or uh, in Kannada, we, we call it nalikai. So that is a very good source of vitamin C. In fact, it has more vitamin C than many other uh, foods that we are familiar with. Guava is another very uh, rich source of vitamin C. Leafy vegetables, 
uh, colored peppers. There's so many other foods which are rich in vitamin C. So these can be included in the diet regularly. Even the nimbo that we squeeze on our, uh, you know, on our uh, cooked vegetables, uh, cooked uh, dishes, even that has vitamin C. There are so many ways that we can get vitamin C uh, through our diet. Uh, so, and of course, apart from uh, vitamin C, there are several other nutrients like uh, uh, vitamin, uh, vitamin A, B6, uh, zinc, all these play a role in um, iron, selenium, so many nutrients that play a role in immunity. So therefore, it's very important to uh, eat a well-balanced diet, including all the food groups, particularly uh, you know, um, fruits and vegetables in good quantities, green leafy vegetables and all of that in good quantities so that they give an adequate amount of uh, vitamin C and other nutrients, antioxidants and all of that. As far as Chavanaprash is concerned, that is um, that is an Ayurvedic, uh, um, you know, uh, composition or uh, Ayurvedic product, and I think um, based on whatever little uh, knowledge that I have in the in Ayurveda, I think that is very individualized, and I think Ayurveda physicians will be able to prescribe the right kind of Chavanaprash for, uh, you know, for a for an individual. So my recommendation or my suggestion is that, you know, one should meet because Ayurveda is a very complex science and it's not uh, easy uh, to prescribe, uh, you know, a, a particular food or a particular um, supplement to everybody. Uh, similar to what we do in, you know, modern dietetics. Uh, we don't, we also believe that one size doesn't fit all. So it has to be tailor-made, it has to be individualized. So for a Chavanprash, I would suggest that people meet an Ayurvedic physician and get the appropriate Chavanprash which, which would suit their constitution uh, rather than just, you know, buying something and using it. Uh, that's my view on uh, immunity. And of course, immunity will also be built well if there is adequate amount of sleep apart from diet uh, and the right kind of nutrition and everything. Sleep is very important. It contributes to immunity regular physical activity, adequate amount of physical activity contributes to immunity. So, and of course, sunshine. All of these uh, uh, factors are very important in building immunity. So it has to be a lifestyle change or a lifestyle uh, approach to build immunity. Ma'am, also the thing is that uh, the maladies of diseases around us is not stopping at all. Now we have a bird flu, which has been reported in almost four or so states. Uh, can you tell us like the alternatives to procure uh, protein other than bird source? So, okay. So, uh, great. So protein comes, uh, as we know, from animal sources as well as uh, plant sources. And uh, when we say animal sources, it could be... Uh, it could be uh, beef, pork, mutton, uh, chicken, of course, would probably, most people would avoid chicken during the bird flu season. Although, you know, well-cooked chicken can still be consumed if it's coming from a good source. If you know the source and if it's well-cooked, then uh, I don't see any harm in consuming chicken, but I know people are scared to eat chicken during bird flu season. So uh, they do avoid it. But fish is another very good source of protein. And, uh, Egg, again, I'm not sure how many people would eat egg during the bird flu season, but it is. Just for information, I'm telling you that it is a very great uh, source of protein. Uh, so also dairy foods. Uh, when I say dairy foods, milk, uh, paneer, cheese, curd, all of these dairy foods are a good source of uh, protein. 
Now coming to plant sources of protein, we have nuts, uh, nuts like almonds and you know, we have so many nuts in our country. So nuts are a great source of protein. Dals, um, we have again, whole pulses and dals like rajma, chana, moong, tuar dal, udar dal, chana dal. We have a, a whole variety of dals and uh, pulses in our country. So those are good sources of protein and seeds. Uh, when I say seeds, I mean um, sesame seeds, sunflower seeds, all of those seeds are also good source of protein. But there is a catch here. Uh, dals, although they, dals and pulses, although they are good sources of uh, protein, they do lack a, a, a particular amino acid in them. So in order to make them a complete protein or in order to get all the amino acids, essential amino acids, as we call them, into the body, they have to be combined with cereal. So, uh, and again, traditionally in India, we have always done that uh, because we always eat a roti with a dal or we have a rice and a sambar combination. So there's always a, a cereal grain and a pulse combination that we are used to in our traditional meals. And that is exactly the right way to get all the essential amino acids or the, you know, the complete protein as we call it. Uh, through vegetarian sources. So yes, there are uh, vegetarian or uh, plant sources of protein and there are animal sources of protein. So one can choose according to what one, uh, you know, one wants to eat. Uh, also, ma'am, uh, before we end this uh, episode, my final question to you is, uh, what is your secret to, you know, better health and nutrition? <laughs> Uh, well, what there's no secret really. Uh, being, I think, being a dietitian for you know uh, for 37 years, it's very easy to eat right, and we it's very easy to know the balance of you know the nutrients, the food, the quality, the quantity, everything is there. So you know, I think that is that helps. So there's no really you know there's no big secret in this. Uh, yes, eating right, of course, is um, uh, always at the top of my mind. So. I think uh, that's what, uh, and of course, overall lifestyle, I think a balance of uh, adequate amount of uh, sleep and regular physical activity, eating right most of the time. I wouldn't say 100%, but then yes, most of the time and uh, getting getting uh, enough uh, sunshine and all of these, I think is, uh, is, is a secret to anybody's good health and nutrition, not just mine. All right, ma'am. Thank you for joining with DH Radio. It was great to have you on our show and you gave us some uh, great insights too. And uh, we wish you uh, a happy new year and also to all our uh, audience who are listening right now, uh, wish them also a, a new year with good health. Thank you so much, Ahmed, for the opportunity. And it was it was a pleasure uh, you know, chatting with you. And uh, my new year wishes too, to you, your family and the uh, listeners uh, to this program. Thank you once again. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. That's all in today's episode. Tune in this evening on a news update podcast from the newsroom to catch all the exciting developments of the day and to get the news while it's still budding. For latest news and updates, log on to www.deckenherald.com. Check out our e-paper at www.deckenheraldepaper.com. To read news on the go, sign up to our Telegram channel t.me slash News. Keep up with the news from your interested sphere by downloading the all-new Deccan Herald app, in which you can personalize, have quick glance at news shots, check highlights and even listen too. You can get it from Google Play Store and Apple App Store and you can find the links to the same in the description.